Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. Welcome to the 49er Faithful UK show. It's week 14 and the division leading, but mm, possibly struggling, Tampa Bay Buccaneers make the trip up to the Gowland Stadium in Santa Clara. In one of the more intriguing matchups this season, Tom Brady will face off against Brock Purdy, a guy who was born just four days before Brady's final game in college. So it's the GOAT versus the kid. The Niners remain three and a half point favourites, only the second time in Brady's career he's been the underdog to a rookie QB. In slightly frustrating news, once again, Game Pass subscribers have another game stolen by Sky Sports. But I guess that is the price of success. How many tablets will Brady get through after facing the QB nightmare that is the Niners' defence? And can our new QB, BCB, hit CMC and the Brothers YAC for a few TDs ASAP? I'm Gareth Ellis, and possibly answering those questions, it's Paul Hope. Hi, everyone. And back from his boring and uneventful trip, it's Lee Gowland. I'm back, baby. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back, Lee. Uh, when are you going to spill the beans and reveal all the grubby details from your presidential trip to the Bay? Right, straight into it. Um, I wasn't expecting to uh, get that question straight away. So, mm. what we intend to do is do a series a series of podcasts um, because there was that much that happened during the holiday um, that it's just going to take a few to do. Plus, I want to dedicate certain areas of, of the actual uh, trip to particular episodes themselves. Um, so we'll probably start knocking those out next week sometime. Um, I'd really like to get some of the other guys who, who are out there, the likes of David Ellicott, David Betridge and uh, Nick Ludlum on, um, so we can get their opinion as well. And obviously uh, a few of the hosts of this show on as well. Um, so yeah, starting next week um, and hopefully we'll get them all recorded in quite a short time so people don't have to wait too long to find out all the gory details. Excellent. Great stuff. So I think we should start with a quick update on Jimmy. Uh, we talked about it on the last show when it looked like surgery would be needed and Jimmy would definitely be done for the. However, it now appears that it's not as bad as feared and no surgery is needed with a possible return for Jimmy in seven to eight weeks, which would be roundabout conference championship weekend. Simple question, lads. Do you think Jimmy will return or perhaps should he return if he's fit? Paul. Well, that is the million-dollar question, Gareth. To answer it from a fan point of view, if the 49ers are playing well, if Brock Purdy is doing what we want him to do, I think it would be a risk to put Jimmy straight back in to a playoff team. I mean, looking further afield, I don't believe we'll see Jimmy back in San Francisco. I can't see him coming back as a backup. I just, personally... I think at the end of this season, there needs to be a decision made. I don't think any of our sanity can cope with another off-season of Jimmy, Trey, Brock Purdy, or Jimmy and Brock, or Trey and Brock. And that's my personal feelings. I mean, you know where I stand, Gareth. Big Jimmy fan. I've been really happy with his performances this season. Devastated when he went down injured. But I'd, I'd, I don't see him coming back. How, how do you feel, Lee? How do you think we do see number 10 suit up again in the red and gold? Um, I, th I think there's going to be numerous factors which uh, will decide whether or not Jimmy does suit up again in, in the 90s uniform. Um, first of all, it's going to be how does Purdy play from now onwards. Obviously, it's early days. We've only seen him one game. Teams are going to have to get tape on, on him and adjust to how he plays, find his weaknesses. Everything could change in one or two weeks' time. I don't think uh, the game on Sunday is going to be 
pivotal to how, how Purdy goes in the long term. Um, I think the Seattle game will be because there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of noise in Lumen's field. Um, so I think if he can get through that test and, and then see out the season, let's see how he plays. As far as Jimmy coming back and being fit enough to play, he'll have been out for six to eight weeks. or what was it? Eight to nine weeks, they said. Um, so he's going to come back cold into a playoff game against possibly one of the better sides in the uh, in the NFC. We're probably talking either the Cowboys or the Eagles um, to bring him straight in after such a layoff and, and expect him to perform, I think, is, is unfair on Jimmy. I mean, if he's the best option we've got, then I think it's because Brock Purdy has struggled a little bit. Um, but at the moment, we don't know. Um, a rookie has never, ever taken uh, his team to the Super Bowl. There's always the first time for everything. There's always first time for everything. On the flight home, I sat and watched the full game broadcast of Super Bowl 16. And I think it was Keith Keith Meredith mentioned something in the um in the group about a comparison with uh, Joe Montana. And I don't think he meant it as in a comparison of the career of Joe Montana. I think he purely meant in the way that Brock Purdy throws the ball, the way he moves, and I could see what he mean when I watched that Super Bowl 16 replay, he's, he's got all the same type of characteristics which Joe had. Um, he looks as though he's got the same arm motion. He scrambles very well. I think people forget how quick Joe Montana was because he wasn't a running uh, quarterback. But when he needed to, he was very quick on his feet. And he had that zip of the ball, which Brock Purdy kind of showed against the uh, the Dolphins. He he thread the needle several times into tight windows, and it was a hell of a zip that he had on that ball. So I can see where that comparison is. So let, let, let's just be clear. We're not saying Brock Purdy's going to be the next four-time Super Bowl winning quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. But when you look at his movement, the way he throws the ball, the way he holds himself, it is very... Montana-esque and that's that's what we're saying he looks like mm. something we've seen before doesn't mean he's going to be successful like I said it's early days no tape on him other than that one game let's see how he plays the rest of the season so with Nadji not being here tonight Lee me and Gareth were really worried who was going to be driving the Brock Express because <laughs> Nadji's away printing off the merchandise and the season tickets but when Nadji does tune in and he hears Joe Montana and his new favourite BCB mentioned in the same breath. I think it's simply that you are the captain of the Brock Express tonight with that comparison. I'm the captain, am I? Okay, then, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's go back to the bold prediction I made at the start of the season. And it, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek at the time, but I did say Brock Purdy would throw the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. You did. I think that's recorded. It is time. recorded, yes. Mm-hmm. All of my stupid bold predictions are recorded. Well, when I mentioned that to Chrissy on Tuesday night's Let's Talk Sports episode, Gareth, she couldn't believe that Lee had been that bold. And I said, what you've just said there, buddy, it's on record and we're known for being bold. But let's face it, Lee, Mr. Irrelevant would become Mr. Relevant if that bold prediction is Uh, spot on. And let's hope it is. To to tell you the truth, Paul, Mr. Irrelevant is already Mr. Irrelevant. He's done something that no Mr. Irrelevant has ever done in the history of the game. Um, So I think to call him Mr. Irrelevant now is a bit of a backhanded uh, compliment. Backhanded compliment? It's not not even a compliment, is it? It's an insult. Um, I think think he's done himself proud. I think he's obviously surprised a lot of people. 
um, and, and people scoffing at the idea that he could be a good quarterback that can lead a team to a Super Bowl. Um, I think they've all forgotten that um, Tom Brady didn't go until the sixth round. So it's how you adjust once you get into the NFL, how quickly you pick up the game and how you perform. And there's nothing to say. Brock Purdy can't be the first seventh round pick, the first Mr. Irrelevant to go on to win the Super Bowl or the first rookie quarterback. I mean, these are all firsts that we're looking at here. Mm. And uh, obviously it's an exciting time to be 49 because if he does it, he does it for the 49ers. Trust me, buddy. If you'd listened to the episode the other night, we know you were aware. You'd know that we all three of us have got him as Mr. Relevant. It was a very much the Brock Purdy Express train left the station and Nadji was fully pulling that choo-choo as it left the station late. So don't worry about that, buddy. So I've got to say, um, Laurie Kruger came over and interviewed me at half-time during the, the Dolphins game. And he asked my opinion of Brock Purdy. And obviously, we'd only seen one half of football for, from him. And he started off a little bit nervous. He, he had some throws that were well overthrown. And he, he looked as though he just took his time to slowly get into the groove. But then he got rid of all those um, errant passes and he started to perform really, really well. It's as though he was building confidence incredibly quickly against a good team. And that can only board well for the rest of the season. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he performs after he's had a full week with the ones. Yeah, absolutely. So that he teases up onto the game. The Bucks are six and six, but are on a short week the back of a Monday night football win over the Saints. How can the Bucks overcome themselves and our defence to rack up some points, something they seem to be struggling to do? Uh, Paul, kick us off on the Bucks' offence versus the nightmare defence in San Francisco. I think it's safe to say, Gareth, that Brady and the Bucks haven't lived up to expectations this season. I know injuries have played a part at the NFL. I know the offensive line has really struggled. I didn't watch the Monday night game against the Saints, but it looks as if Brady rolled back the years in that last couple of minutes. So I think that's got a few people excited ahead of this game. I've seen a stat that Brady's thrown the ball more than any other quarterback in the league this year, Gareth. So it looks like they've moved away from the run game and they're going to come and be pass heavy, which I believe will play into our hands with D'Amico Ryans. Mm. Obviously, the Dolphins came in and tried that same tactic. On Sunday, you know, they, they went away from the run game. We managed to win the turnover battle. So I think that'll be key on Sunday. I think, obviously, looking at the books, there are six six or six point differential. They're at minus two, which is in line with the commanders and the Raiders, which gives you that idea, like you said, they'd have struggled. They haven't put a lot of points up. Obviously, they've got weapons like Mike Evans. He's one of the better receivers in the NFL for me. Um, I think Chris Goodwin is coming back into um, form. But I haven't really seen a lot of the books. I don't believe I'm worried coming into this game. How do you feel, Gareth? Do you think that Brady's going to roll back the years and teach the kid a lesson? Or do you think Fred Warner, Nick Bosa and Armstead are licking the lips at the hands of showing him what a real defence looks like? I think you've got it there. I think our defence has shown it's it's up for any game. But surely, you know, it is Brady. You're going to want to uh, uh, get a sack of Brady. Uh, it might be your last chance to do it, possibly this season. I think uh, our secondary uh, was was good against the pass game uh, last week. I think we can cause some problems. 
Brady clearly hasn't got the mobility. I think we can find some uh, gaps in that offensive line, uh, getting rattled a bit. And you've seen uh, Brady has uh, lost the rag a few times with uh, with his teammates. Uh, clearly seems to be uh, some frustration with uh, with whatever it is. Obviously, we know there's stuff in his private life as well, uh, but he doesn't seem his, his more composed self. He does seem to be uh, a little bit rattled, a little bit frustrated. He is the kind of guy you can turn that into something positive. Uh, but I think particularly on the short week, it's a long journey over from uh, from Tampa Bay. I think all of that is is going to, to add up. If we can get a lead, if we can stifle their offense, hopefully by the third quarter, we'll get them starting to think about that plane ride home um, and just getting out of Santa Clara uh, with whatever whatever they've they've got, which will hopefully be a big fat loss. Uh, Lee, what's your what's your view on our defense matching up against the uh, Bucks? So, so let's talk about Brady first in, in that kind of scenario. Um, you mentioned that Brady showed his old magic in the second half of the game um, on, um, was it Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. Yeah. Um, I think it's because he was so poor in the first half. I, I was surprised to find out that uh, Brady's taken the most snaps by any quarterback this season at 853 snaps. Uh, the next nearest being uh, Justin Herbert with the 837 uh, the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo was two, three hundred snaps behind, but he did miss a full game. Um, but again, that's only one full game and you wouldn't expect him to take that many snaps anyway. Um, so he, he has been on the field a long time. He is old. Um, I, I think I said either last year or the year before, his arm looked a bit jelly-like, a bit noodle-like. Um, he didn't seem to be getting the, the distance or the strength in his throws anymore. Um, and when you look at, look at the offence, it beggars belief that they're struggling to score when they've got three marquee wide receivers, um, Julio Jones, uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, and they've got a good offense. So where where's it going wrong? Paul mentioned that the O-line isn't that good. Some of them are performing at a decent level. I, I don't think it's a terrible O-line. I, I just think Brady is now getting to that age where he's potentially only got maybe one, one and a half quarter of quality playing them and I think that's what it comes down to all this talk in, in the off season and early on the season when Trey got injured about oh we should bring Brady in next season not a no. chance stay away from the 49ers you passed it dude we had our chance for you a couple of seasons ago we, we didn't take it I think he's the problem so how's he going to stack up against our defence it's going to be difficult for him as Chua found out on um, Sunday night oh for me, Sunday afternoon. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for him. I think we've got a really good defence. Armstead will be playing his second game, so he's going to be up to game speed, or he's going to be near to game speed. Um, you saw what impact it had on Nick Bosa on Sunday. Um, Nick Bosa had arguably his best game in a Niners uniform, and it showed. I think the way we set up now, the way that we are playing, I think it's going to be difficult for the books to put any serious points up on us? Haven't said that. Haven't said that. I think they're going to put more points than the average we've been um, we've been keeping teams to. But going up against number one defense in the league, I, I think I think the Bucks are going to struggle. So do I. Yeah, I think that uh, we are going to get after him. He's not going to have the time to let plays develop, which means they're going to have to go for short passes. 
it means those receivers are going to have to try and find some space in the short distance. And that means they're going to have to try and come up against Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, uh, Jimmy Ward. And I think those guys are, are just not going to give them the space. Uh, and I can see uh, their punter having a, a busy day without giving away too much for my score prediction. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a tough game for the Bucks, particularly it's the travelling and it's the short week as well. They all they all add up. To be so, honest, to be honest, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing whichever receiver goes up against Diomedo Lenore because I think Lenore played absolutely lights out on Sunday night, and ever since he came in for Mosley, he, he's earned that spot opposite Mooney Ward. I think he's been excellent. Um, I, I think he's he's playing to the level that we saw him in the first two games last season, be, before he was inexplicably benched. Um, Obviously, we don't know what happened there, but he looked really good during preseason. He played really good in the first two games, and it's kind of Sammy Womack like. Sammy Womack looked absolutely excellent preseason, looked really good in the first two games, and then all of a sudden disappeared. Um, I don't know if this is a Carl Shanahan thing, not sure, but Diomedolino has looked absolutely excellent. I think he's one of the most underrated players on the team this year. He's not really getting the universal recognition. He is getting from certain areas within the uh, the 49er fan base, but universally you're not getting any of the pundits talking about uh, Diomedal and all because he's been overshadowed by the likes of Nick Bosa, Dre Greenlaw, Fred uh, Warner, Talanoa Hafanga, Eric Armstead coming back, Mooney Ward, all of those people. And, and Diomedal and all is kind of an afterthought to people, but I think he's been absolutely excellent. And, and it pains me to say that because he used to be an Oregon duck. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd, I, I'd agree with that. I'd also mention uh, to Sean uh, Gibson as well, who I think quietly is doing a lot of clean-up work, uh, and, and it's partly his play that's responsible for Hafanga getting that little bit more of that free reign to just go and hunt out the ball, hunt out the tackles, because uh, they've got reliability on the fact that there's this one guy behind them who's going to make sure nothing gets past him. So it's going to be a big test, I think, for for Mr Brady and his buddies. So over to the Niners offense and all eyes will be on BCB. I'm guessing we have talked about him a little bit. Anything else you, you'd like to say about how Brock might go about this game? Are we going to lean on the run game or, or are we going to let Brock cook? Paul. I think Kyle Shanahan needs to put a game plan in place similar to what he did against the Dolphins, Gareth. I think we talked about it well the other night where Brock came in. He had the safety valve of CMC. He spread the ball around Debo, Kittle, Jennings, Ayuk. I don't think we'll see a, a change to the tactics. I don't think the books are particularly great at either stopping the run or stopping the pass at the moment. I think what they've tried to do is just outscore the opposition, like Lee said, they know Brady rolled the years back. Um, I'm hoping for a big game from Ayuk this week. When I've gone back and watched the game tape, he had a couple of drops from Jimmy, which was a little bit disappointing given how highly we've talked of Ayuk on this show. CMC seems to have been struggling in practice again with his knee this week, but I'm not worried about that, Gareth, as we saw last week. I think he'll be in for the for the bulk of receiving yards. I don't think CMC is going to be used as the runner. I am hoping to see Jordan Mason, but TDP seems a strange one to me, Gareth. He doesn't seem to be suing mm. up, whether he's in the doghouse for some reason. I don't want to see CMC run up the middle. I don't want to see Debo run up the middle. I'd like to see Mason just given his chance, but 
I've heard murmurings that Kyle's not too happy with Mason's pass blocking. He's happy with him as the running back, but as we've seen with his receivers, Kyle wants you to do more for the team. So whether that's something that Kyle's, you know, holding him back or I'm just hoping that Brock doesn't turn the ball over early. I'm hoping that he doesn't let the pressure get to him. Now, I don't know if you chaps have heard, but apparently in practice this week, Brock has been quite vocal. He's been telling some of the more established players off. Um, apparently, Trent Williams said it's been impressive to see. He's been acting like a 15-year vet in the league. Apparently, on Sunday's game, I think one of his first or second snaps in the game, apparently he was barking at Debo. That Debo was in the wrong wrong place. So it just goes to show you sometimes, I think that was a knock on Trey Lance, that he didn't quite have the command of the huddle. So it just goes to show that Brock's experience, I think, of being a, a starter in college in the full four years. It's got him prepared, you know, to come in, Gareth, and get in that huddle, get the play calls ready and get the ball out. How do you feel, Lee? You were there on Sunday. It must have been awesome to see it in the flesh that Brock was cooking and the Brock Express was chewing along nicely. Well, I mean, you say awesome to see it. Uh, the immediate reaction was absolutely horrific, horrifying to see Jimmy Garoppolo getting um, carted off to, to the yeah, locker room. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that, sorry. Oh, no, I no, meant... no, I'm, I, I know that. I know what you meant. But what I'm saying is, obviously, we, we kind of saw it before anybody else saw it on TV or knew about it. Um, and, and we were all kind of scratching our head thinking, is what what's happening here? Is that really Jimmy going off? If he's going off on a cart, that's kind of it. That's that's game over. And um, but then Brock stepped up and and wow, what a performance he put in! Like I said, he was a little bit slow to get going, but he got there in the end. What I really hope is that Kyle Shanahan schemes the game according to Brock's strength, because to me, Kyle seems to when he has to react to adversity like that, he seems to call a bet again. Mm. So, Whereas if he has advance warning, advanced game planning, sometimes it's pretty poor. I mean, when you have a look at the success of our scripted players against other teams' success of scripted players, I, I think we must be near the bottom. We must be. Because teams seem to get a jump on us in the first half before we get into a groove, before we find our rhythm. And to me... It's quite disappointing because you have all week to script these players. You have all week to practice these players. The scripted players, you should be executing faultlessly. Um, so I just hope that Kyle calls a game that's going to benefit um, Brock Purdy. And I think he will because I think he's going to actually go back to the basics. It's not going to be the full playbook. He's going to make it simple for him. And to be honest, it's dead easy to do that when you've got players like Debo and Christian McCaffrey in their backfield. It's going to be really easy from just to throw a screen and off we go, yards after the catch and we're done. I think the most impressive thing I saw and heard during the week was the pass that he sent in to George Kittle when there was three players around him. Before they broke the huddle, Brock Purdy had turned around to uh, George Kittle and said, this ball's come to you regardless. You just run your route correctly and I'm going to hit you with this ball. And, and sure enough, I mean, the guy was in his face as he was throwing the ball because the pass rush was on and he got the ball straight into George Kittle's hand and he threw it with anticipation because George Kittle hadn't even turned to, to make that cut yet. So he threw it with anticip anticipation that Kittle was going to be in the right place at the right time. And to me, that is quality. That is absolute quality. That said, Gareth, um, I do have a couple of concerns before we crown Brock Purdy as the QB1 all-conquering Super Bowl winning quarterback. 
under pressure, he tends to look to escape the pocket first rather than climb through it. There was a couple of instances we saw against the Dolphins where he immediately escaped out and there was two Dolphins players there. And luckily, you know, it didn't end with, with an injury. And when I've gone back and looked at some of his college tape, apparently it's something what he tended to do. He had a tendency to run or retreat out of clean pockets. And sometimes these quarterbacks in college who were good at using their athletic skills sometimes find that it isn't as easy in the NFL. And I'm not saying he's a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields. I do think the bootleg and the play action in Kyle Shanahan's scheme does come to fruition. And like you said there, Lee, you know, with the weapons he's got around him, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative in uh, Najee's absence. I'm just trying to temper. We've got to remember he's a seventh-round rookie. You know, there's going to be big pressure on his shoulders. But as long as Kyle Shanahan puts the right game plan in place and Brock executes, we should be all right on Sunday. Yeah, for, for, for me, his scrambling skills was one of the reasons that uh, he was able to complete so many passes on, on Sunday. Um, I think it's you, you caught between a rock and a hard place. You, you either scramble early um, when you can see that there's enough space to scramble, which allowed receivers to get open so you could uh, complete the pass, or you, you leave it that little bit too long, and when you're trying to scramble, there's not enough room to scramble out there. So it's easy to say that he's scrambling from clean pockets, but it, it, it's up to him to develop those senses within the NFL game, and I think those will come. I, definitely that comes with experience. It's not going to come over the next six weeks, I, I very much doubt. It's the type of thing you pick up in two, three years. That, that's why we always say a quarterback should be judged in year three or of a full three yeah. seasons because they should have learned mm. by then. They, they should be aware of the pocket presence. That they should The game should have slowed down for them by then. They should be able to go through the progressions and immediately identify that open receiver or what to do with the ball if you've got no open receiver. Um, so that's not going to happen over the next six weeks. Let, let, let's face it, it's not. And at the end of the day, he is a third-string quarterback. So even though we are quite impressed with how he played, let's not get our hopes up that he is going to be the next Joe Montana. Let's just enjoy the ride with him because at the, at the moment, we've got nobody else. The only other person we've got is Josh Johnson. Yeah? Yeah. And I'd rather I mean, see Brock. Oh, 100%. I mean, sometimes as well, Lee, Gareth talked about the offensive line, and we've talked about that on this show. Sometimes on Sunday when he had to take off, it was because the protection wasn't there. And I think he faced the free rusher on four different occasions. And like you said, your heart in your mouth. You've already seen two QBs go down this year. And obviously those guys that are coming after the quarterback are looking to kill him. You know, that's what Nick Bosa says. I want to sack the quarterback. So... Just like you said, we don't want to see Josh Johnson on Sunday. We want to see Brock Cook. And Gareth made some reference to, is it a timepiece, Gareth, in the last show you mm. said? Uh, is that what the BCB stands for? I'm a it little is. bit confused. Big big clock book. See, whereas every, everyone missed my blowholes gag on the uh, Dolphins preview as well. So I'm just wasted on you, surely. There was a, something, something I, would, I would agree with you there, Lee. I think sometimes Shanahan, when, when his options are a bit more limited, like the quarterback change, he does seem to get more into a, into a rhythm. I think he, he has less choice. It's a kid in the sweetie shop, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. you feel he loses that little bit of rhythm because he, he, he's looking to do uh, pull out a certain play. Whereas I think when he has a, a smaller amount of plays to choose from, he seems to get himself in, in rhythm. Uh, I think I, I'd be keen to 
see Brock do whatever he's comfortable with in terms of escaping pressure. And if rolling out is what he's comfortable with and keeping his eyes downfield, that yes, I think people might say, okay, in the off season, you've got to work on climbing the pocket. But right now, I'd be saying to him, do what makes you comfortable, mate. There's the, we're not going to try and change your mechanics or or ha- get another thing going in your brain that you've got to think about. I'll take some some rough edges to his game right now if that's what makes him him comfortable uh, and what gives him some confidence. Any other key matchups in the game do do we think are going to decide it? No, no. <laughs> can't, can't, I'm, I'm just trying to think. No, I, th- I think the key matchups are all going to be on the uh, the books' offense and our defense. I, I think their defense. It's, it's easy to say their defense isn't going to be that much of a that that much of a challenge for us. But obviously, we do have third string quarterback playing there. Um, it's, it's obviously going to come down to how well Brock Purdy plays. It's a, it's a strange one because normally we say it's our defense versus their offense. Yeah. Um, but I think this year, Gareth, and you mentioned Lee some of the stellar support and cast Brady's got. I mean, for me, Julio Jones is more of a tight end this year and Evans and Goodwin haven't hit those heights. But the Buccaneers' defence have actually been the team's most effective unit and kept them in most games when you go back. And they do have the eighth-ranked pass defence. So there may be, obviously, some that may contradict what I said earlier, Gareth, about maybe we don't see a run-heavy offence, we let Brock cook. But I think the main key on Sunday is how our offence plays and I would love to see another victory like we saw on Sunday night. For me, it's certainly it's the the offensive line uh, keeping Brock safe uh, and letting him get into a little bit of comfort and a little bit of rhythm. Because I think the Bucks will possibly try and bring the house early. They'll try want to try and rattle a uh, first time starter. Uh, QB at home, try and knock his confidence a little bit. And I think the the O-line is is going to need to pull out a big game uh, and f- make that foundation so that Brock can just go about his business. We've talked about it, the short passes, the safety valve passes, the quick passes over the middle. Uh, all of that's going to rely on Brock being comfortable uh, and in a bit of rhythm. Uh, and I think the, the O-line, um, mentioning no names, need to have a, uh, 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 an improved game than I think they did against the Dolphins. Though Brock obviously did well under pressure, and it's certainly something that he looks quite comfortable uh, having big guys running at him. But I I want to see the O-line really pull out a a good game and and give him the support that I think uh, will help him succeed. Okay, lads, bold predictions. What have you got? Who's going to start us off? (laughs) Silence. Silence. Your first week back, Manly, you're, you're the king of bold predictions. You led in with Brock Purdy throwing the Super Bowl winning touchdown. So, come on, you've got to come and give us something for this Sunday. Fair enough. Me and Gareth Fair enough. Hours. Nick, I can start us off. If, uh, Nick posted a half four sacks. Nice. That's good. Well, all? You, may, you may have missed Gareth had a bit of um, a knack at predicting them. So, what have you got lined up for us this week, Gareth? Because I want to hear you add your... Three of three of three, which you nearly got right. Have I you nearly, got something nearly similar? Got yeah. Got no, sim- not, not 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 similar in in terms of the three threes. But I've got I've got BCB with uh, two TDs and two hundred and seventy five yards through the air. I think uh, CMC is going to have another hundred and fifty yard uh, sort of scrimmage yards, mixed rushing uh, and receiving. Uh, I haven't gone for four sacks, but I have gone for four players recording a sack at least. Bosa, Jackson, Amenehu and Armstead. 
Uh, I've also got Jimmy Ward and Drake coming up with an interception. Uh, and I've got at least two broken tablets on the Buccaneers' sidelines. Well, if Bosa gets at least one sack, gents, he'll make history because that would take him to 15.5 on the year. It would be the second consecutive year that he's eclipsed the 15 sack mark, making him just the fifth player since year 2000 to record 15 or more sacks in back-to-back seasons. So I was going to tip a nod to, I expect Bosa to get at least one sack which Nadji probably would be disappointed with, Lee, because I think Nadji expects at least three to five sacks a game now from Bosa. I'm going to say Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, Gareth. I've been quite consistent with that approach with Jimmy. I think if he does what Kyle asks him to do and he doesn't take any silly risks, it would be interesting for that. And I think we win the turnover battle purely because we're not going to turn the ball over. And I'm going to say that we see another Dre Greenlaw return for a touchdown have plenty of bold predictions from the pair of you. Well, I've, I've got Nadji's uh, bold predictions, which he, ah, right. he put in writing as well. Uh, Nadji has gone for two pick sixes. That is bold. Two CMC TDs. Two TDs for BCB, including one on the ground. I was tempted for a one-yard BCB sneak TD myself, so I don't know whether that's what Nadji was thinking. Or maybe it'll be an 80-yard uh, scramble, something like that. Got anything else for us, Lee, or she goes straight to the score predictions? I think we should go straight to the score predictions. Okay, the over-under is 37. What have you got? Uh, the over-under is 37 and a half, half a point higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're going to go over. I think we're going to go over. I think it's going to be a really close game. I don't know how the scoring is going to work, What, what uh, who's going to be behind, if anybody's going to be, well, somebody's going to be behind. Um, but I'm going to go for a Niners 23-20 victory. For a, a Niners victory as well, Gareth. Um, I'm going for a 28-12 victory on Sunday. Nice. Four field goals? I don't care how the victory happens. I mean, Robbie Gold was pretty good, but... 28-12, I think, sends... I think, I mean, Vegas have got it. They expect us to win, like, 20-17. to 17. I don't think it's as close as that. I'm very optimistic that after that performance last week against the Dolphins, we're going to be coming into town ready to play. So, like I said, 28-12, I think it's a comprehensive victory on Sunday. Good. I've also gone for a Niners win. I have got a 27-9 to Niners win with the Bucks' offence shut out of the end zone. Field goals only for the Buccaneers. I like it. I like it, Gareth. I say, well, it's, it's not very often that um, you two are more optimistic than what I am. So mm. that was interesting to hear. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you'd have come back with your gold jacket on and your chain and you'd been all full of work. We're going all the way. I mean, we fully enjoyed that win last week, Lee. We said if it was the other way around, Dolphins fans were coming for us. Non-49ers fans were coming for us. We had it rammed down our throat that the Chiefs had rolled into Levi's and put 40 points on us and our defence had only faced lesser teams. And we did really well against the Miami Dolphins. And I don't think we've quite had the credit we deserve from around the league. And I think another big performance against Brady and the support and crew will go a long way to setting up a beauty game in Seattle. Yeah, the way, the, the way I look at it is um, I, I can remember how many points our defence helped us accrue on Sunday. Well, that's why I've said Greenlaw's going to score. I think we're going to get a defensive score again. And I think our defence has shown that teams don't score, well, apart from the Chiefs, 17 seems to be the average. So that's why I've gone for 12. I mean, 
if Mark Ingram gets that extra yard on Monday night, the Buccaneers lose that game. And I think that's the danger ahead of this game. You don't want to give Brady that kind of chance. You know, we used to see it with Rodgers, didn't we, that last year? You know, they got the ball back with 37 seconds left and Rodgers marched them up the field. We've all seen that movie before. And I think the Saints probably were thinking that same feeling, Brady marching up the field and turning back the clock. But I just don't see it on Sunday. I've got, we said it on Monday night, Lee, this defence will carry this team. The defence is playing well. We've got no injury concerns. Armstead's back. Warner's playing at MVP level. Borsa has come off, like you said, the best game of his career. And I think Hufanga is frustrated with a couple of the mistakes he made. I think Mooney Ward's going to relish testing himself against Mike Evans. They're obviously a bit of a bigger bodied receiver than we used to face him, but they're not as speedy as Tyreek Hill or, you know, um, MVS from the Chiefs. So me and Gareth are fully optimistic, and it's a shame that you haven't joined us on this side of the uh, optimism train, Lee. No, I think, I think for once in my life, I have gone with uh, realism over optimism. <laughs> It's we, the jet lag. It's the jet lag. It'll soon yeah. wear off and you'll yeah. be back to your usual bald self. We, we don't do that on this show. Great stuff. Uh, quick public service announcement. Paul, you've got some news of uh, uh, an event in Northern Ireland. Yes. Yeah, so David Young, who's a member of the group, has contacted us and they're having a watch party in Northern Ireland. David will put the details in the group. And if anybody who is in Northern Ireland or can get to Northern Ireland wants to attend, if you just hit David up on his DMs or drop one of us a message and we'll pass that on. And I think you said off air, if anybody else is having a meet up, please feel free to drop it in the group. We'll always, we always love to see other Niners connect and it doesn't have to be the official 49er Faithful UK meet. But I wish David all the success on Sunday and I look forward to seeing all the footage. Yeah, well done, David. Good stuff for organising uh, an event for the uh, Faithful over in Northern Ireland. So anything else before we wrap it up, gents? Yeah, one more thing. So people have been asking Paul about the Super Bowl meetup. The Super Bowl meetup is going to be a Victoria Casino in Leeds. It's going to be run by a, a, a group now called Gridiron UK. They used to be called First Down UK, but they're now called Gridiron UK. Um, so we will get the link into the group as soon as possible to go and buy the tickets. I think it's a £10 ticket you... I think it might, might be a couple of beers and a bet. I need to check up on that, but I'll have all the details in the link once you go through. Um, the reason it's going to be in Leeds is and run by Gridiron UK is purely because I don't have the time to do this at the moment. And the next three months uh, in my work, my professional life is going to be very important three months uh, because of what I've got going on at work. So I need to concentrate on that quite a bit, um, which means... I don't really have time to do the normal thing, which was create the meetup of Newcastle, which was the traditional annual Super Bowl meetup. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be in Leeds this time. It's going to be Victoria Casino. We've already got one member who's attended that for the past couple of years, um, Seb Chander. He waxes lyrical about how good it is. And we also had both Neil and Ruth Graham go and check out the venue. Uh, and the feedback they gave back was it's an excellent venue for the Super Bowl. The screens are amazing to watch the Super Bowl. So that's why it's going to be there this year. Um, it's not necessarily going to be there in, in years after that, consecutive years, um, subsequent years, I should say. Um, we'll have a look to see what, what best suit suits the group going forward. I mean, on that note, Gareth said it earlier before we recorded, anybody who is 
attended a different Super Bowl meet up in your local area, you know, down south in Scotland, in Ireland. Feel free to share the details. We we appreciate not everybody's going to be able to make the trip up to Leeds. Um, I mean, I don't know my plans yet. Like you said, Lee, I've, I've got quite a lot on my end as well. But anybody else going to any Super Bowl meetups and you want to drop them in the group, let them know. But like you said, Lee, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the footage from that one. And the casino you mentioned, is that the one with the big curved screen? It is, yes. It's a it's a giant screen. Nice. Mm, sounds good. So, yeah, well done uh, for organising those events. So thanks for joining me, gents. And thanks to everyone who listens to the show. We don't want any likes. Don't bother to subscribe. We don't want to see any comments. And please don't share wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week to review the Tampa game. And then it's a short week and the small matter of a trip north to face the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football. Until then, go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, Niners gang. Love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep card. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline.